Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 182. Today, we are sharing young adult lit recommendations with you. Before we get started today, we just wanted to remind you that if you are interested in partnering with us, there's information on our website about that. We take sponsorships and we have other partnerships, like we can do affiliate links where we can support your business that way. And so to find out more information about that, just go to unabridgedpod.com partners. Before we talk about our young adult lit recommendations, we wanted to share our bookish check-in like we always do. Sarah, you wanna get us started? What are you reading? A few episodes ago, Ashley talked about starting The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. And when she was talking, I was thinking, oh, I bought that on audio as well when it was on sale. As soon as I remembered that, I was like, the next thing I'm going to start on audio is The Flat Share. So I did start it. I'm almost, I'm so close to being finished with it. And I love it. I I think like I have become a huge Beth O'Leary fan, especially the audiobooks are similar in that they they always have the alternating perspectives and they all they have different narrators for the alternating perspectives. And I just really love that. And they do a really good job. Like they make phone calls sound like phone calls. And I just think the audio is great. And I noticed that that was similar to the switch because the switch had that as well. So I just really like that. This is a story of Tiffy. She is coming out of a horrible relationship and she had been living with her boyfriend and she's trying to find a place to live in London and she doesn't make very much money. So she, her options are not great. And she finds this ad for a flat share, but basically it's a bed share because the person who has posted, he works uh, nights and, and so Tippy works days. So the, the arrangement will be that she gets the apartment from like uh, 6 p.m. till 8 a.m. And then he gets the apartment from 8 a.m. To, until 6 p.m. So they are literally sharing one side of the bed. So they each have their own side of the bed and they share that apart the apartment. So she decides to take them up on it because it's really reasonably priced and she can save some money. And it works out for both of them and they don't meet for a really long time. And they it, it's just a great story. It's funny. I think that Beth O'Leary does a great job of just adding tons of humor into her stories. And it's just a really compelling sweet story about two people who are getting to know each other but not really seeing each other and there's other things that are involved too that I really like there are some minor store minor characters who also have some story to them and I really like it so it's been a joy to read I can't wait to finish up but like I said I'm almost done and I just I think I've become a huge fan of Beth O'Leary's work and I, I like I've said before on the podcast I love books set in Britain and this one is excellent I just love it so that is Beth O'Leary's The Flat Share and I'm listening to the audio and it is fantastic as is The Switch so 
Nice. That's awesome, Sarah. That's what I kind of stalled out on mine just to report back. So everybody knows that I've been reading like 10 books at a time. So I think I'm still at probably 15% on that <laughs> book, but I do own the Kindle book. So it's waiting patiently for me and I'm excited <laughs> to get back to it. But that is funny. <laughs> it just, it just had to wait. There were some other ones I had to finish and I was trying to do physical copies that I couldn't take with me. And so it's been sitting there, but I love the premise and I'm, I'm with you, Sarah. On, on the alternating perspectives and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, I love her stuff. And I didn't know until diving into these. So yes. what about you, Jen? What are you reading? So I am reading Brina Starler's Anne of Manhattan. And the premise, <laughs> you probably hear the hesitation in my voice. The premise is a little strange. So this is a retelling of Anne of Green Gables. So shout out to the Anna Bridge Pod reading challenge. This would be a great pick. And, but it is a romance novel that is a retelling of Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> so I did not have this terminology when last I read Anne of Green Gables, but this is an enemies to lovers story. So anyone who loves Anne of Green Gables knows that it is the story of Anne Shirley who meets Gilbert Blythe when they are very, very young and they absolutely hate each other. And then they end up together. So Starler takes this story and begins it when they are adults. So they're in their early twenties and they are meeting again and they have this instant tension and connection. And then it flashes back to tell the story of their childhood of when they first met it is set in contemporary times. So this is, it, it removes Anne of Green Gables from its time period and moves it to modern day New York when they are both in college, they're getting ready to finish their senior year. And it's really interesting. It's really well done. My hesitation is just that it is super steamy. And so parts of me are thinking back to the Anne of Green Gables of my childhood, <laughs> which is a romance, but it's a very sweet and innocent romance. And I would not use those words to describe this, but <laughs> it is very steamy, but it's really good. And I think it, it makes great use of that enemies to lovers trope while also paying tribute to Marilla and Matthew and the other characters who are so vivid in Anne of Green Gables. Her best friend, Diana is a part of it. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's really clever. It's really well done. You just have to be comfortable with seeing Anne and Gilbert in a steamy romance. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Brina Starler's Anne of Manhattan. All right, Ashley, what, what are you reading? That sounds fascinating, Jen. And I have not ever read the source material, so I am hoping mm. to do that. I am reading, speaking of books that we've recommended to each other and enjoyed. Jen shared about Jenny Lawson's Broken in the Best Possible Way. And she shared about that one in her book, A Check-In, a while ago. And I knew I really wanted to listen to it. Jenny Lawson reads it on audio and it was part of Libro FM's ALC releases. And so I was excited to get to that one. And I started it this week. And I think what I love about it is we've shared many times about the power of audiobooks to hear the author's voice. And so this one is great for that. It's so fun to hear her read of her own experiences. But the other thing that I find really striking about it is the way that she can put on the page a lot of the inner thoughts that many of us have but never articulate. And I think she does that really well. And so 
just things like the way that she shows her relationship with her life partner is hilarious. And again, I think typical of people who live together and have lived together for a very long time, but it's often we're reluctant to admit those things to other people. And so I love that. And I think that she really demeans herself in a lot of ways, but it's hilarious and also humbling. And so I think just seeing her frank thoughts about her life experiences, her struggles with mental health, her memories, the way that her mind works and like holding on to memories. There's a whole section toward the beginning where she talks a lot about the loss of memories that a lot of us experience over time that we don't hold, you know, we, <laughs> she talks about how they watched something and then she'll rewatch it. And then she'll say to her life partner, no, I've never seen this before. And he's like, yes, you did. And also we have had this conversation before when you rewatched it and don't remember rewatching it. <laughs> so not only have you seen it, but you've seen it again. We've argued about you not seeing it. And then now here you are again watching it. And I related to all of that because I am often, as I admit on here readily, I am often trying hard to pack in all the things and multitask. And even when I am watching the screen, sometimes it's only about 10% of my brain that is focusing on that. And then I just don't hold on to it. And then I will adamantly vow that I have not seen the thing. And then there will be some revelation an hour and a half in that suddenly the light bulb comes on and I'm like, oh, yes. And I mean, unfortunately, I do that with travel and stuff too, where I'm like, no, I have not been to that place. I was not there. And then there'll be a photo or something. I'm like, oh, I was there. I was there. <laughs> and so it was just funny and comforting to see that other people have that experience too, and that it's both tragic and funny, and that that's just how our minds work. So there's a lot of that, of just analysis of herself and exploration of what that means. And it also, the tone is very different, but it reminds me in a lot of ways of Kate J. Bear, who is a poet. She now has a book out called What Kind of Woman and has received a lot of well-deserved acclaim for that. So I think she's a lot better known now, but she also is willing to say on the page what being a mother looks like, what having a relationship looks like, and how hard that can be. And she says it in a very frank way as well. So even though the tone is quite different, I think that I absolutely love Kate J. Bear's work. And as I am listening to this one, I see a lot of connections to the exploration of the inner self, particularly of, a, of being a woman and what that means. So I'm loving it. So again, that's Jenny Lawson's Broken in the Best Possible Way. I'm so glad you're enjoying that. I just, yeah, I want to go back and read her backlist because I thought it was so fabulous. Yeah, Sarah, you're going to love it too if you get a chance to listen. I know you'll really like it. I really want to listen to that for sure. And I think it kind of goes with what you have been enjoying of women speaking their mind in an honest and frank way about their life experiences. And yeah, so I think it's it's consistent with those reads that I know you've liked. Okay, so one of the areas that we all feel very passionately about, and those of you who listen to podcasts, a lot know is young adult literature. So all of us are reading YA Lit all the time amid all the other books that we're reading. And we just wanted to take this episode to celebrate some that we've read recently and that we are really would recommend and are enjoying. So we 
all had a lot that we had enjoyed, but tried to narrow it down. But all of us try to keep fresh on that, both because they are so much fun to read and also because we want to be sharing those with teachers and with the young people in our lives to make sure that we're checking out all the great things coming out. So we're just going to each pick one today to recommend as a recent read for each of us that we've enjoyed. Jen, do you want to start us off? So I am going to recommend Aiden Thomas's Cemetery Boys. I have to say that Ashley on her list had Aiden Thomas's Lost in the Neverwoods as a possibility and very generously gave that one up. So I could talk about Cemetery Boys, but I did want to shout out that choice as well, which I have not yet gotten to. Cemetery Boys, though, was my first five-star read of 2021. I absolutely loved this book. And I think it does so many things really well. It's not super long, but there is a lot packed into this book. So the book focuses on Yadriel, who is part of a Latinx community of brujas and brujos whose destiny is determined by gender. So if they are women, then they have one role and they do this one thing in the community. If they're men, then they do this other thing. For Yadriel, Yadriel is a trans boy. And so that becomes very, very complicated. He has faced a lot of resistance from his father, who is very uncomfortable with the fact that he is not fulfilling his destiny as a bruja and instead wants to do what the brujos do in the family. So at the very beginning of the book, his cousin goes missing. And this has been one of a string of young teenagers going missing and but when his his cousin goes missing, Yadriel decides that he is going to prove that he is worthy of being a brujo and that he is going to go out on his own with his other cousin Maritza and they are going to find his cousin. So there's a mystery element to it. Clearly there is this magical plot within it. So Yadriel decides that he is going to try to call his cousin's spirit forward in order to find out what happened, that he's going to call up his ghost, essentially. And he does this ceremony with Maritza's help. Maritza is a witch, so she's fulfilling the bruja part of her personality, even though she is really resistant as well. So she doesn't necessarily want to follow her path either. And so it's really neat seeing them kind of support each other in defying the wishes of their community in that way. But she agrees it's one time to help Yadriel. So they do this ceremony with the goddess of death, and they are going to call up his cousin's ghost. What happens is that instead, they accidentally summon the spirit of Julian Diaz, who is a troublemaker at his school, and they find out that he is also missing. And they become convinced that the two stories are linked. And so they try to convince Julian's ghost, essentially, to help them find out what happened to the cousin, find out what's happening in their community. All of this while hiding the fact that they're doing it from the community who they know will not approve of what they are doing. So there's so much to unravel here. And I don't want to give spoilers for the way this all unfolds. But I will just say I loved the world building. I loved the way Thomas built this sense of the community and we start to understand how it comes together. We start to see how much a part of the community the dead can be and the way that they are interacting with them 
And Julian is seen through his ghost, but he is one of these really important characters in the book. He is so vivid and he has been very misunderstood as well. And so you start to see Adriel begin to understand Julian and to see him in a different way and to understand things about his past. There's a whole community of kind of outcasts around Julian who they come to know. It's just as the book gets deeper, it starts to broaden and the world building just builds on itself, but not in a way that is intimidating or difficult to access. And then of course, there's a consideration of gender and of sexuality that is also really central to the book and to Yadriel desperately trying to find acceptance from his father, who has this very conventional notion of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. That is all very moving. I thought the family dynamics in this book were just really, really strong. They were a really important part of the book that was woven into the world seamlessly. So I could go on and on and on because it is so rich. But again, there is that mystery element I'm afraid I've already given some things away, but I'll stop there so I don't accidentally give more away. But if you have not checked out Aiden Thomas's work yet, Cemetery Boys is such a great young adult lit book. That one sounds so good, Jen. And I am here for everything Aiden Thomas writes after reading Lost in the Neverwoods. I did have that on the list and I absolutely loved it. But we have so many that we can recommend to you that we don't want to do two by one author. But their work is just so powerful. And in Lost in the Neverwoods also, there is there are magical elements, there is a central mystery. So I think it sounds like it's a very, and that one is a retelling of the Peter Pan story. So that's great for the classic retellings. <laughs> um, if you are looking for that for your unabridged reading challenge. But I think that it sounds like the plot is very different, but I think that some of the things that work so well for me, it sounds like are in Cemetery Boys too. So I will definitely be reading that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Lost in the Neverwoods. Yeah, I downloaded that one to read and I started it, but then I had to abandon it for some other things, but I'm going to definitely get back to it. I think you all will love it. I can't wait to talk to you about it after you have have read it because I think it is a great one for discussion. It was so good. Sarah, what about you? What's your recommendation? So I actually talked about this book in a bookish check-in a while back, and I love this YA book so much. And if you listen to our episode 180 on A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow, if you like that book, I think you will love this book by Lakin Zaya Kemp. It's called Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, and it is told in alternating perspectives. So the first perspective is Penelope Prado and for short Pen. And she has always dreamed of opening her own bakery next to her father's restaurant. And her father has this restaurant called Nachos Tacos. That is basically this haven for the community that they live in. He hires undocumented people and he hires people who are down on their luck and provides them employment. He provides them a way to make a living. And it's just this hub in their community. And he is such a kind and generous person. And he has created this almost this found family in his restaurant. And Penn is a part of that. But he wants something else for her. He wants her to go to college and become, you know, a doctor or a lawyer. He doesn't want the restaurant life for her. And all she wants is to be in the restaurant. And so there's this dynamic of her wanting to obey her parents and what they have sacrificed to give her, but also 
her this pull to to be who she wants to be and where she feels she is being pulled to be. So that's one reason I think it would be a great pairing for a Cuban girl's guide. And then, so that's one perspective. The other perspective is Xander. He basically, he lives with his, his abuelo and he doesn't really know his father. His father left when he was young and then left his mom and him. And then his, her, his mom sent him to live with his abuelo. So he is undocumented. And so I think what, Kemp really explores here is the impact of being undocumented in America and having brown skin. And he has to navigate, you know, being pulled over by police officers for doing nothing and having to answer questions when he has done nothing wrong. And I really like that exploration. And he and Penn create this friendship that like kind of navigates into first love and discovering who they are. And it's just a really beautiful story. I think that Kemp does a great job of just exploring a lot of difficult things, a lot of things that are central to not being a white skinned person in America. And I just think it is a great example of why literature that is both compelling and a great story, but also really tackle some really hard things that I think kids need to read about. So I loved it. I mean, I, I know I'm sure Ashley and Jen are sick of hearing me wave on and on about it, but I just thought it was excellent. I thought, I thought it was just a wonderful YA novel and it's probably one of my favorites. It's going to be on my list of favorites of the year because I just thought it was excellent. So that is Lake and Zia Kemp's somewhere between bitter and sweet. And I should say Penn also is an amazing, you know how I love books about food and she's an amazing uh, baker and she and I think like with like in a Cuban girl's guide and also in the book with fire on high, I love these stories of these really strong young women who are blazing their own path. And then like, the, and I think that in all three of these books, they have like magic in their fingertips, almost this magical quality to their food and the, what they bring to the table. And I just, I love all of that. That sounds so good, Sarah. I will definitely be reading that one. It's funny because when I started Jenny Lawson's Broken, I was torn between those two because both of them are on audio. I knew both of you had listened on audio. They're on the Libro FM ALCs, and I cannot wait to read that one. So I, it's coming up soon for me. It sounds amazing. It's so good. Oh my goodness. You're going to love it, Ashley. Ashley, what is your choice? So one that I read recently that just came out this month is Nicola Yoon's Instructions for Dancing. I think I chose this as my one of my most anticipated reads of 2021. I love Nicola Yoon's work, and I think she hits just the right spot for me with romance because she knows how to capture the sweetness of young love and new love. And yet she also explores how complicated life is. And she does that really well in all of her books. So I loved Everything, Everything. I loved The Sun is Also a Star. And I was excited to read this one. In this story, we have Evie, who in the beginning, I shared this for a bookish check-in quite a while ago, and I had only read the very beginning. So in the beginning, she's getting rid of all of her romance books. And she's decided she's going to donate them to a local little free library because 
her heart is broken and she doesn't want to see them anymore, essentially. Uh And so she is breaking up with her love of romance books. And it's because her dad and mom are getting a divorce and they had been her idols as far as what a relationship could look like. And so she just could not recover from that. And I loved that as the premise that it wasn't her own heartbreak or something that had happened, but instead it's what happened in our family. And I think that that's kind of a different angle on sometimes what we see with young adult lit, as far as a premise of why people have turned away from love. She actually realized that her dad was cheating on her mom and her sister does not know that. And that's like right at the beginning that it's apparent that she's struggling because it also has caused this conflict with her sister because she knows this thing that she feels like she can't tell her sister. And yet because of that, she's so angry at her father and her sister is not. So she's really alone in what she's experiencing. Her mom is working hard to move forward and move on. And she feels like she's stuck in this grief for loss of what they had and can't recover her. She just can't heal. And so because of that, she is totally anti-love. And But when she takes her books, she has this encounter that has some magical elements and it leads to an unusual ability for her that I don't want to spoil. And that ability starts coloring what she sees in people's relationships. So don't want to give anything away, but because of that, she winds up going to this dance studio that ties in in the book. And while she's there, she meets X and he is, and he does go by X and they have a lot of jokes related to that (laughs) in the book. And he is charming. He's a live in the moment kind of guy. He says yes to everything and is very open about that being his life philosophy that he is going to embrace everything and always say yes. And that's very contrary to her in general, but especially after this event has occurred in her life. The studio is owned by X's grandparents, and they are a sweet old couple who have been together forever. They are, they are dancing partners, and they have this amazing relationship. But the studio needs some help to grow. And so because of that, there's a dance competition and they get sucked into partaking in that. So Evie has no idea how to dance. She's never done anything with ballroom dance of any kind. And yet she feels some obligation to help with this project. It is a lovely story, but the central question of the story that Nicola Yoon is wrestling with is how can we continue to love when we know that love will will break our hearts? And that really is what the story is about. I mean, and so I think she has a very powerful author's note in the end that speaks to her own life experiences that she was having as she was writing the book. And she was going through some very hard times. So I think that you see that in the pages and you see that in the story. But I think what I love about her work is that she never turns away from the hardship that is life and that is love for other people. And yet she finds a way to celebrate the joy that love brings. 
And you really see that in the story. So again, that is Nicola Yoon's Instructions for Dancing. And I did shed some tears, but I thought it was a phenomenal book and masterfully done and really hits on a hard question that I think we all grapple with in our lives. She examines that in a lot of different ways throughout the story. And I love the magical realism. I didn't expect that because I hadn't seen that in her other stories, but that was really fun and interesting. So, and there's some great friendships. There's a lot of things in it that really worked for me. But again, I think that you will not be disappointed. I did a review of that one just last month in preparation for it coming out, but it came out just the beginning of June. And again, I think it was a great read and I know that people will enjoy it. I cannot wait to read that one. Yeah. I need to write a review as well, but yeah, I, Nicola Yoon just can do no wrong. So I'm really excited about that one. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, well, we hope that you have enjoyed those recommendations. We always have young adult lit recommendations we can make. So never hesitate to hit us up on Instagram at Unabridged Pod and ask for recommendations or share books that you have loved with young adult. We're always reading them. And even when we're not talking about them on the podcast, it is something that we all incorporate into our reading lives. If you're looking for recommendations for particular students or for the young people in your life or your own kids, we're happy to help with that. To finish today for our Give Me One, we we have a topic that I think will be fun to discuss. It's a villain you love to hate or just love. (laughs) (laughs) um, Sarah, what's your pick? I decided to go with the plastics from Mean Girls. I, I, for one thing, I love the movie Mean Girls. I think it's an interesting look at life, the life of high school students. And then the plastics are basically the villains, the click in the movie. And I, I just think uh, Rachel McAdams is the head of the, the click. And I just think that it is that they do a great job of portraying the, this click as these horrible girls who are being really bullying and stuff, but also portraying, the other side of why maybe what where they're coming from and why they're doing what they do and i i just really i love the movie i love all the pop culture nostalgia that comes with this movie and that people still quote it even now and it's it's fairly old so i'm going with the plastics from mean girls Mm, that's a good group of villains right there I want to point back to you at the beginning of this episode when I talked about Broken in all the best ways and said, I can't remember whether I've watched things before. Mean Girls is in that category. <laughs> I want to say I've never seen it before, but I also recognize that may not be the case and someone could probably point to a time that I watched. So <laughs> I have nothing to say about the plastics because I have no memory of the movie. <laughs> Jen, what's your pick? So my pick is Mr. Wilford from Snowpiercer. I started watching the series, I will admit, because Daveed Diggs is in it. And that was pretty much my main reason for wanting to watch it. But it is so good. Nothing wrong with that, friend. I know, right? But it becomes better and better and better as it goes on. And Mr. Wilford is played by Sean Bean, who is such an epic villain and in just the most insidious ways with that there's this sort of surface charm that is just filled with evil behind it. So yeah, I am here to love to hate Mr. Wilford from Snowpiercer. (laughs) 
That sounds great. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Oh, that's such a good series. I still need to go back because it was based, it was a movie first, which I still have not seen, but Chris Evans is in that. So, so yeah, Ashley, what's your villain you love to hate? So the Lion King has come back into my life recently and my children <laughs> are obsessed with that movie. And it's funny because it was one that I held off on letting them watch for a long time because a lot of it is really sad. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is really sad. But they had watched The Lion Guard, which is a Disney, for people who don't have little kids, is a Disney Junior series now. And so Kion is is Kiara, who is Simba's child at the end of The Lion King. It's, Kion is Kiara's sibling. And Mufasa is in The Lion Guard as like a voice in the sky mm, kind of mm -hmm. and so the girls already knew that Mufasa was dead and Simba is the father in that one so in some ways they were kind of prepared for what I found to be really hard when I was a young person and watching that movie and and, that, and I wasn't that young but I still remember very vividly how traumatic that whole part was anyway so I had held off on this for a long time and as often happens with these things that we try to like protect our children from they have full-on embraced it and probably watched it I don't know more times than almost any other movie that they have enjoyed so far so <laughs> and the, the soundtrack is playing constantly <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw this one I was like oh Yes, Scar is a villain that I love to hate. I just think, I mean, Jeremy Irons is the voice of that, and he is amazing. And I think that Scar is so well done as a just despicable but calculating villain. And yeah, so I think, I mean, he really does have a lot of the classic villain traits that I find enjoyable to hate. And so Scar is my choice. They're ready for Hamlet next. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they know the plot already, so. <laughs> I know, right? I know. It's so, yes, it's funny because like I said, I tried to like protect them. And then of course they full on embrace it. Now I'm like, well, good, because <laughs> this lines up nicely for, for other stories that I love. So yay. <laughs> Well, we hope that you all have enjoyed listening today. We would love to hear what your young adult lit recommendations are. You can let us know about those at Unabridged Pod on social media. And thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 